Update of April 1st, 2020 on the Metaphysical Theater Podcast News. This is the Metaphysical Theater Podcast News. Coronavirus is still smaller than regular flu who gets no news play, but since the pride of our corporate masters in their accomplishment in making the flu ten times more deadly than the flu could not be restrained, they could not contain their enthusiasm and declared the new biological weapon a pandemic before it had actually killed the 20 people. Coronavirus still has a long way to fill the Spanish flu's shoes, but since it still has not beat the regular flu in depths, I wonder is scratching my head why so quickly declared a pandemic, the I remember of the impeachment, and a light bulb clicked on above my head while I smiled. Oh yeah I live in America. Forgot for a second. The official tour of the 2019-2020 influenza season won't be known for months not that anyone is really ding about the trite now. Worries over the novel coronavirus, also known as COVID-19, have eclipsed many people's concerns about coming down with a case of the flu. But since they skillfully avoided putting those numbers in the article, under the very thin guise of not numbers not in yet, thus further exposing the fraud. I will go ahead and go to CDC site and fully say that this mass media event has made a mountain out of a moral hill. The regular influenza having killed infinitely more people over the last three months would certainly show this farce for what it is, dying your sin. Not that you are to take influenza lightly. Yeah it has killed a lot more people than coronavirus since January, even more than a corrupt and evil system of fraudulent government has. Flu season in the US, which runs from October through May, claims tens of thousands of lives every year. This season CDC estimates that, as at mid-March, between 29,000 and 59,000 have died due to influenza illnesses. Add to that the misery of hundreds of thousands of flu-related hospitalizations and millions of medical visits for flu symptoms this season. So while the flu has long been considered a dangerous seasonal's coach, new data on the covid 19 epidemic underscore a frightening fact. Covid 19 is even deadlier. Well since it hasn't begun to even get close to flu deaths even this year. You have to ask yourself why the regular flu is not the big story since it kills more people. The current flu season has been beamed but it has not reached epidemic threshold, so I wonder how this COVID-19 is a pandemic. Who has killed pathetically small numbers compared to regular flu in same time span? Infectious disease expert Ain Shay. Adalja, MD, Senior Scholar at the Giants Hopkins Center for Health Security in Baltimore, told Health in February-February. In the next couple of weeks, when more data is available, it will become clear just how severe the season was given that we had an initial dominance of influenza B and now dominance of influenza AH1N1 when a second strain begins to dominate the flu season, this can cause the season to last longer, he explained. So again regular influenza is killing more people but gets no glory in the news media, interesting. Sheep. When health interviewed Dr. Adalja, there were only 13 confirmed cases of the new coronavirus in the US, according to the CDC. In a matter of weeks, COVID-19 has reached pandemic status, sickening staggering numbers of people around the globe and spreading to every state in the US. As of March 26, more than a half million people around the world have contracted COVID-19, and nearly 24,000 have died, according to Johns Hopkins University's real-time tracker. In the US, nearly 80,000 cases have been confirmed, and more than 1,100 people have died.
So how did the flu and coronavirus compare? Just a few weeks ago, the flu appeared to be the more menacing concern. The death rate from influenza is generally just a fraction 1%. How things have changed. During a March 11th hearing of the House Oversight and Reform Committee on Coronavirus Preparedness, Anthony Fauci, MD, Director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, put it plainly. The seasonal flu that we deal with every year has a mortality of 0.1%, he told the congressional panel, whereas coronavirus is 10 times more lethal than the seasonal flu, per Stagnus. Being a military weapon-grade virus. Deployed by them I will require a confession from before sentencing. I am guarding you the guiltier effect. As if the current situation weren't dire enough, Dr. Fauci, a member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force, cautioned on March 25th that coronavirus could become a cyclical event, much like the flu. He said that the U.S. needs to be prepared for the inevitability of a second cycle beginning in the fall of 2020. Coronavirus is here to stay and America has a new normal. It is held to the new world order in the guise of the nanny state. Related. Influenza B is dominating this year's flu season. It was what you need to know. The governments of the world are united against its peoples. Which is really just two groups of people. We have long labeled the haves and have-nots. The haves try to kill all the have-nots and it goes horribly wrong for the haves who will be destroyed without mercy. This year's flu season is shaping up to be possibly less severe than the 2017-2018 season, when 61,000 deaths were linked to the virus. However, it could equally surpass the 2018-2019 season's 34,200 flu-related deaths. Overall, the CDC estimates that 12,061,000 deaths annually since 2010 can be blamed on the flu. Globally, the World Health Organization, who estimates that the flu kills 290,000 to 650,000 people per year. How many coronavirus deaths worldwide? The annual death rate depends on the specific strain of the virus that is dominant, how well the vaccine is working to protect against that strain, and how many people got vaccinated, according to Dr. Adalja. The flu can be harder to fight with for specific populations, such as infants and young children, the elderly, and people who are immunocompromised due to chronic illnesses such as HIV or cancer. Related. News American government is not what it appears to be. The Metaphysical Theater Podcast on Anchor FM Podcasting at free on Google Play. Oleoprecocking and is thermodynamics, resulting in observation of steam engines running down tracks or trains. And then psychologically projected by the collective entity science, to apply to both open and closed systems. A scientific fraud and laughable application of a simple closed system being the forced model for the authentic entropy he called chaos. His study of steam engines cannot be applied to the quantum mechanics of our open system we call Earth. Viscount Ilya Romanovich Prigogin, slash Perrin slash, Russian. January 25th OS January 12th 1917, May 28th 2003, was a physical chemist and Nobel laureate noted for his work on dissipative structures, complex systems, and irreversibility. Ilya Pribogin, Prigogin in 1977, born, Ilya Romanovich Pribogin, January 25th 1917, Moscow, Russian Empire, died, 
May 28, 2003, aged 86, Brussels, Belgian nationality, Belgian, alma mater, Université Libre de Bruxelles, known for, dissipative structures, Brussellator, spouse, S. Helene Joth, M. 1945, Saïd Prigogin, Maria Prokopovich, M. 1961, Saint Pascal Prigogin, Awards Franquet Prize, 1955, Rumford Medal, 1976, Nobel Prize for Chemistry, 1977, Scientific Career Fields, Chemistry, Physics, Institutions, Université Liberty Bruxelles, International Solvay Institute, University of Texas, Austin, Dr. L. Advisor, Fifildi Donder, Doctoral Students, Eddie Bolsra, Rodud Blesk, Harry Friedman, Linda Reichel, Influences, Ludwig Boltzmann, Alan Turing, Henry Brexen, Michel Serres, Influenced Ethmito, Isabel Stangers, Emmanuel Wallerstein Biography, Prikokin was born in Moscow a few months before the Russian Revolution of 1917, into a Jewish family. His father, Roman Ruvim Abramovich Prigogin, was a chemical engineer of the Imperial Moscow Technical School. His mother, Yulia Vikman, was a pianist. Because the family was critical of the new Soviet system, they left Russia in 1921. They first went to Germany in the 1929, to Belgium, where Prigogin received Belgian nationality in 1949. His brother Alexander, 1913-1991, became an ornithologist. Prigogin studied chemistry at the University Liberty Bruxelles, where in 1950, he became professor. In 1959, he was appointed director of the International Solvay Institute in Brussels, Belgium. In that year, he also started teaching at the University of Texas at Austin in the United States, where he later was appointed regental professor and Eshwell Smith Professor of Physics and Chemical Engineering. From 1961 until 1966 he was affiliated with the Enrico Fermi Institute of the University of Chicago. In Austin, in 1967, he co-founded the Center for Thermodynamics and Statistical Mechanics, now the Center for Complex Quantum Systems. In that year, he also returned to Belgium, where he became director of the Center for Statistical Mechanics and Thermodynamics. He was a member of numerous scientific organizations, and received numerous awards, prizes and 53 honorary degrees. In 1955, Ilya Prigogine was awarded the Franquet Prize for Exact Sciences. For his study in irreversible thermodynamics, he received the Rumford Medal in 1976, and in 1977, the Nobel Prize in Chemistry. In 1989, he was awarded the title of Viscount in the Belgian nobility by the King of the Belgians. Until his death, he was president of the International Academy of Science. Newton was in 1997, one of the founders of the International Commission on Distance Education, CODE, a worldwide accreditation agency. Prigogin received an honorary doctorate from Hiriot-Watt University in 1985-15 and in 1998, he was awarded an Enrique as a doctorate by the NEM in Mexico City. Prigogin was first married to Belgian poet Helene Joth, as an author also known as Helene Prigogin, and in 1945 they had a son Eve. After the divorce, he married Polish-born chemist Maria Prokopovich, also known as Maria Prigogin, in 1961. In 1970 they had a son Pascal. In 2003, he was one of 22 Nobel laureates who signed the Humanist Manifesto. Research. Prigogin is best known for his definition of dissipative structures and their role in thermodynamic systems far from equilibrium, a discovery that won him the Nobel Prize in Chemistry in 1977. 
In summary, Ilya Prigokhin discovered that importation and dissipation of energy into chemical systems could result in the emergence of new structures, hence dissipative structures, due to internal self-reorganization. In his 1955 text, Prigokhin drew connections between dissipative structures and the Rayleigh art instability and the Turing mechanism. Dissipative Structures Theory Dissipative structure theory led to pioneering research in self-organizing systems, as well as philosophical inquiries into the formation of complexity on biological entities and the quest for a creative and irreversible role of time in the natural sciences. See the criticism by Joel Kaiser and Ronald Fox. With Professor Robert Herman, he also developed the basis of the two-fluid model, a traffic model in traffic engineering for urban networks, analogous to the two-fluid model in classical statistical mechanics. Prigokhin's formal concept of self-organization was used also as a complementary bridge between general systems theory and thermodynamics, conciliating the cloudiness of some important systems theory concepts with scientific rigor. This cannot be fully explored by audio transmission. Ilya Prigogin's work on unsolved problems in physics. In his later years, his work concentrated on the fundamental role of indeterminism in nonlinear systems on both the classical and quantum level. Prigokhin and co-workers proposed a little space extension of quantum mechanics. Alluvial space is the vector space formed by the set of self-adjoint linear operators equipped with an inner product that act on a Hilbert space. There exists a mapping of each linear operator into Alluvial space, yet not every self-adjoint operator at Alluvial space has a counterpart in Hilbert space, and in this sense Alluvial space has a richer structure than Hilbert space. The Alluvial space extension proposal by Prigokhin and co-workers aimed to solve the arrow of time problem of thermodynamics and the measurement problem of quantum mechanics. Prigokhin co-authored several books with Isabel Stangers, including The End of Certainty and La Nouvelle Alliance, Order Out of Chaos. The End of Certainty. In his 1996 book, Loth and Desserteds, written in collaboration with Isabel Stangers and published in English in 1997 as The End of Certainty, Time, Chaos, and the New Laws of Nature, Prigokhin contended determinism is no longer a viable scientific belief. The more we know about our universe, the more difficult it becomes to believe in determinism. This is a major departure from the approach of Newton, Einstein and Schrödinger, all of whom expressed their theories in terms of deterministic equations. According to Prigogin, determinism loses its explanatory power in the face of irreversibility and instability. Prigogin traces the dispute over determinism back to Darwin, whose attempt to explain individual variability according to evolving populations inspired Ludwig Boltzmann to explain the behavior of gases in terms of populations of particles rather than individual particles. This led to the field of statistical mechanics and the realization that gases undergo irreversible processes. In deterministic physics, all processes are time-reversible, meaning that they can proceed backwards as well as forward through time. As Prigokhin explains, determinism is fundamentally a denial of the arrow of time. With no arrow of time, there is no longer a privileged moment known as the present, which follows a determined past and precedes an undetermined future. All of time is simply given, with the future as determined or as undetermined as the past, with irreversibility, the arrow of time is reintroduced to physics. Prigocki notes numerous examples of irreversibility, including diffusion, radioactive decay, solar radiation, weather and the emergence and evolution of life. Like weather systems, organisms are unstable systems existing far from thermodynamic equilibrium. Instability resists standard deterministic explanation. Instead, due to sensitivity to initial conditions, unstable systems can only be explained statistically, that is, in terms of probability. Prigokhin asserts that Newtonian physics has now been extended three times. Citation needed first with the introduction of space-time and general relativity, 
then with the use of the wave function in quantum mechanics, and finally with the recognition of indeterminism in the study of unstable systems, chaos theory. Science is the idiot stepchild of God's heart. Metaphysical poetry is a language of God. I am a living metaphysical poet. This is the Metaphysical Theater Anchor FM podcast, written and wholly created by John Verscom. Thank you very much. Since the argument is very long and has many parts, we shall content ourselves in this article with stating the premises for the existence of the first efficient cause, assuming that the reader will follow the citations to read the rest of the argument. The proof for the conclusion that some efficient cause is simply first such that neither can it be an effect nor can it, by virtue of something other than itself, cause an effect, ordinatio runs something like this. 1. Something can be produced. 2. It is produced either by itself, nothing, or another. 3. Not by nothing, for nothing causes nothing. 4. Not by itself, for an effect never causes itself. 5. Therefore, by another, call it A. 6. If A is first, then we have reached the conclusion. 7. If A is not first, but also an effect, we return to 2. A is produced either by itself, nothing, or another. 8. From 3, and 4, we say another, B. The ascending series will either continue infinitely or we finally reach something which has nothing prior to it. 9. An infinite ascending series is impossible. 10. Therefore, etc. Scotus acknowledges two objections and deals with them accordingly. First is that he begs the question in assuming a first in the series. Here he argues that while many admit an infinite regress in an accidentally ordered series of causes, no philosopher admits infinite regress in an essentially ordered series. Scotus explains the differences between the two and offers proofs for the conclusion that an infinity of essentially ordered causes in a series is impossible. Second, it is objected that his proof is not really a demonstration since it begins with a contingent premise. That something is produced is contingent and not necessary. Therefore, the proof proceeds from a contingent and not a necessary premise. Scotus says that while that is true, it is utterly manifest that things are produced or affected. But in order to respond, Scotus makes a modal move and reworks the argument. Now he argues from the possibility of production. It is possible that something can be produced, is a necessary proposition. From there he is able to conclude that it is possible that the first efficient cause exists, and if it is possible that it exists, then it does exist. He assures us that the last claim will be proved later in the argument. In the lecture of proof, Scotus argues the following way. Although beings different from God are actually contingent with respect to their factual existence, nevertheless, they are not with respect to their possible existence. Hence, those entities which are called contingent with respect to their factual existence are necessary with respect to their possible existence, for instance, although, there exists a man, is contingent, nevertheless, it is possible that he exists, is necessary, because his existence does not include any contradiction. Therefore, something, different from God, is possible, is necessary, because being is divided into the contingent and the necessary. Just as necessity belongs to a necessary being in virtue of its condition or its quiddity, so possibility belongs to a possible being in virtue of its quiddity. If the first argument is alternatively qualified with the notion of ontological possibility, then we have necessary propositions as follows, it is possible that there is something different from God, it is not of itself, because then it would not be the case that it were possible, nor from nothing. 
therefore, it is possible that it is from something else. Either it is possible that the other agent acts by virtue of itself, and not by virtue of something else, not being from something else, or it is not possible. If so, then it is possible that there is a first agent, and if it is possible that it exists, then it exists, just as we have proved before. If not and if there is no infinite regress, then the argument at once comes to a standstill. Morkanen Metaphysical Theater Anchor FM Podcast Concept Concepts are the fundamental building blocks of our thoughts and beliefs. They play an important role in all aspects of cognition. When the mind makes a generalization such as the concept of tree, it extracts similarities from numerous examples, the simplification enables higher level thinking. Concepts arise as abstractions or generalizations from experience, from the result of a transformation of existing ideas, or from innate properties. A concept is instantiated, reified, by all of its actual or potential instances, whether these are things in the real world or other ideas. Concepts are studied as components of human cognition in the cognitive science disciplines of linguistics, psychology and philosophy, where an ongoing debate asks whether all cognition must occur through concepts. Concepts are used as formal tools or models in mathematics, computer science, databases and artificial intelligence where they are sometimes called classes, schema or categories. In informal use the word concept often just means any idea. In metaphysics, and especially ontology, a concept is a fundamental category of existence. In contemporary philosophy, there are at least three prevailing ways to understand what a concept is. Concepts is mental representations, where concepts are entities that exist in the mind, mental objects. Concepts is abilities, where concepts are abilities peculiar to cognitive agents, mental states. Concepts is Fregene senses, see sense and reference, where concepts are abstract objects, as opposed to mental objects and mental states. Concepts can be organized into a hierarchy, higher levels of which are termed superordinate, and lower levels termed subordinate. Additionally, there is the basic, or middle, level at which people will most readily categorize a concept. For example, a basic level concept would be chair, with its superordinate, furniture, and its subordinate, easy chair. Concepts in the representational theory of mind. Within the framework of the representational theory of mind, the structural position of concepts can be understood as follows. Concepts serve as the building blocks of what are called mental representations colloquially understood as ideas in the mind. Mental representations, in turn, are the building blocks of what are called propositional attitudes colloquially understood as the stances or perspectives we take towards ideas, be it believing, doubting, wondering, accepting, etc. And these propositional attitudes, in turn, are the building blocks of our understanding of thoughts that populate everyday life, as well as folk psychology. In this way, we have an analysis that ties our common everyday understanding of thoughts down to the scientific and philosophical understanding of concepts. Nature of concepts. A central question in the study of concepts is the question of what concepts are. Philosophers construe this question as one about the ontology of concepts, what they are really like. The ontology of concepts determines the answer to other questions, such as how to integrate concepts into a wider theory of the mind, what functions are allowed or disallowed by a concept's ontology, etc. There are two main views of the ontology of concepts, one, concepts are abstract objects, and two, concepts are mental representations. Platonist views of the mind construe concepts as abstract objects. There is debate as to the relationship between concepts and natural language. 
However, it is necessary at least to begin by understanding that the concept dog is philosophically distinct from the things in the world grouped by this concept or the reference class or extension. Concepts that can be equated to a single word are called lexical concepts. Study of concepts and conceptual structure falls into the disciplines of linguistics, philosophy, psychology, and cognitive science. In the simplest terms, a concept is a n. 